thanks for joining us. So the, the, it's only a half hour session today on managing sickness absence. So um, why is absent management important? Uh, sickness absence management important. Well, according to PricewaterhouseCoopers, employee absence costs UK businesses twenty nine billion pounds a year. And I don't want you to panic. That's overall. That's obviously not per business. So, uh, but that's that's still uh, quite a quite a big amount. Uh, and the that's the cost of occupational sick pay, statutory sick pay, uh, covering overtime and temporary cover. But it goes further than just the financial costs, as I'm sure any of you who have employees, just as all of you, otherwise, why would you be on this webinar? Know that the cost goes deeper than just the financial cost, because having having people off work can result in a reduced morale amongst the remaining staff who have to cover for absent colleagues. Uh, a breakdown of team collaboration and project work. It can result in poor customer service. If people are unhappy at work, that tends to shine through. You know, whenever you've had a call from one of those call centre people who who really wish that they would, they, they almost wish that they, they had their head in the oven rather than being on the phone to you. And you can tell that the, the life has just been sapped out of them. And that comes across to the to the consumer. Low productivity because people who aren't enjoying the job tend not to, to work as hard. And staff feeling that the rules and policies are being flouted. So why is Billy or Steve or Mary getting away with being off sick and all the problems it's, it's caused with us? And then you get the risk of good employees leaving, whether they actually leave and bring an employment tribunal in as secondary. But if you get good employees leaving and you're only left with, um, with people who are off sick a lot, well, your business isn't going to do uh, particularly well. So that's why it's important in case maybe you didn't know. So just some questions for you to, to think about. You don't need to send me your answers. But do you have an up-to-date sickness absent management policy? If you don't, I know a solicitor who can um, draft one for you. And I'll give you a clue. It's me. Uh, so I can, I can get you one of those uh, policies. Do you have an occupational health provider? You, you very well may have an occupational health provider. If I asked you what you thought of your occupational health provider, I'm guessing from at least some of you, I could hear the grumbles and boos and groans um, from here. And when was the last time you checked that your employees' contact details were correct, uh, making sure their files and everything are up to date? Oh, sorry, just pausing here, let me, let me say, uh, these slides were co-drafted by uh, myself and Laura Riley, so I just want to thank her for that. I don't want to take credit for her work. She's, she's helped put all this together, so thank you very much, uh, Laura, for doing that. Okay, so there's some questions for you. To, to consider. Um, things, other things to consider when managing sickness absence is, is the employee defined, uh, disabled as defined by the Equality Act? Not the Equalities Act, which I've heard people say and write down, it's the Equality Act. Although in saying that, I did say to a, to a client, it's the Equality Act singular. And then I think it was probably my fault whenever they wrote to an employee and said, uh, you breached the um, Singular Equality Act, which isn't what I meant. You don't write the word singular. It just means equality, not equalities. So uh, disability is defined as a physical or mental impairment that has a substantial and long-term negative effect on the employee's ability to carry out the day-to-day, -day, normal day-to-day -day activities. And who, def who decides whether it's a disability or not? Well, sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes it's um, a matter of law. Other times it's an employment judge who will decide having heard evidence from the employee and from the uh, medical experts if, if for whatever reason the employer disputes that the person was uh, disabled. Other things that you might want to consider are, is there any kind of underlying reason 
um, for the person's sickness substance. We'll come on to that in a bit more detail. But initially, things like childcare issues, transport issues, caring responsibilities, and, and are those the kind of things that are temporary? Are they the kind of things that the business can work around? Um, or are there other reasons which aren't related to private, but more related to the work business? Okay, it looks, I'm just looking, it looks like it's, um, it's Bojo is, is uh, yeah, it is. So Boris Johnson's our new prime minister, so uh, hooray. Um, the employee may not be aware of the absence reporting procedures. So have you been clear about what you expect them to do? So that's really important. It's always important to communicate the standards expected of people and the, the consequences of parting from that standard, whether that's a con a conduct or whether that's performance or whether that's sickness absence. It's always important to have a policy and not just a policy that sits rotting in HR's cupboard, a policy which is actually a living, a living breathing uh, document uh, and a living breathing procedure that, that we can show that we follow. Uh, another thing to consider is, is the absence out of character and do you have next of kin details to, to follow? I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a bit, bit more of a double. But is, is the absence out of character um, and what arises out of that? But it's, it's, uh, it's probably worth having the next of kin details. <laughs> That's a dark question to ask, but still, um, okay. So I've done some, oh, these aren't obviously the only, and I'm sure there's other lawyers watching uh, this who will, who will be angrily yelling, they've got better top tips, fair play to you. Good luck with it, but here's my top tips. Uh, keep in contact with employees who are off sick. Don't jump to conclusions. Hold return to work interviews. Get good medical advice uh, and conduct capability, uh, conduct capability hearings fairly. Now, another one I suppose I could add into that is, is monitoring absence. It is a good idea to monitor sickness absence uh, in broad terms so you can see, is there any patterns developing with a particular employee, but not just the employee, what about certain teams, certain depots, certain buildings? Is there a greater uh, amount of sickness absence that you can pinpoint? Because that might lead to cultural issues that, that need to be addressed, perhaps bullying or discrimination or the conditions of work, or because the culture has allowed sickness absence to flourish without any kind of check on it because managers have been scared to have difficult conversations, which I saw somebody the other day, or actually a couple of months ago now, has rebranded them as, um, opportunity discussions, which uh, whilst I'm laughing, I actually think it's quite a good idea. If you're calling them difficult conversations, that in itself can psychologically be a barrier to managers actually having the conversation. So having having these conversations early can can, can sometimes stop things progressing and not allow culture to, to build up. Okay, so um, keeping a good tip number uh, one on this, uh, communicating with employees who are off sick. So when the employee calls in sick for the first time in that period of sickness absence, or you're keeping in touch whenever they're off, these are some of the things that I think are are important. Some of these you, you probably think are, are pretty basic, but it's worth repeating because not everyone does. Take or make the call somewhere private and quiet. Now, just pausing there. Ideally, what you would have when it's a keeping in touch call is you would have a pre-arranged a time for you to ring them or them to ring you and you would be able to go to a, a room and if it's the first call that you're you're getting from them don't take it at your desk in front of other people not only there's confidentiality issues um, but also they might not be able to hear you you might not be able to hear them you're going to be distracted with colleagues and phone calls and uh, all of that good stuff and emails coming in when you're trying to have the conversation so uh, 
if they ring you, just just maybe perhaps take the number and say um, that you'll give them a ring back uh, once you got into a private room, which again shows that you're uh, considerate of their of their um, their absence and their privacy. Don't make the call when you're in a rush. So don't do it between meetings or when you're rushing out for your five o'clock pint on a Friday. Make sure you set aside even more time than you think you're going to need, you know, half an hour, even if you think you're only going to take five, 10 minutes, because it gives you a chance to go in, collect your thoughts, have the conversation. If it runs over, then so be it. You're not having somebody knocking on the door demanding that you get out because they've got a meeting. Um, and also you're not rushing through what you want to say, which will make the employee feel like it's a tick box exercise rather than you showing um, some genuine concern. Now, obviously you need to be, um, if you're doing that, I would suggest like everything else, preparation is key. So if you're going to have a, a keeping in touch call, there's, there's only so much you can prepare for if someone calls in sick, obviously, but if it's a keeping in touch call, you might want to prepare what you're going to say um, to the employee um, whether that's writing out a list of questions or topics you want to cover and keep a note of what's being said. So be sympathetic to the to the employee's illness. Obviously keep that in proportion. If the employee rings in with a mild cold, you know, breaking down in tears, um, it's probably inappropriate. So by all means be sympathetic or empathetic um, to the, the employee, but obviously remain professional at all times. Establish what's wrong with the employee and what they perceive their likely date of return is. So the employee might say, well, I'm self-certifying for uh, you know a, a week, and then I'm going to be getting a doctor's note. Uh, I can't come back in. And they might tell you why, or they might say, Look, it's, 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 a, it's a simple um, cold. I'll be back in tomorrow, or if it's on a Friday, it might be an after the weekend, or will be an after the weekend. Treat all employees uh, consistently. What you want to make sure is that you don't get any allegations of discrimination or favourable or unfavourable treatment. So you don't treat your mates um, or your favourites any better. Uh, it's always, and I always say this, any conversation you're having like this, as soon as a judge in the room with you, listening to what you say and reading the notes that you make, because ultimately that's the worst case that could happen. And if you, that's a cliche, but if you prepare for the, the worst, um, chances are you probably will get to a tribunal, and if you do, you'll win. And that's just, that's the, the legal side of it. Obviously, the rest of it is just making sure that all the employees um, know they're being treated fairly and consistently, which is going to have an impact on on staff morale. If people think that there, there's inconsistent treatment, um, that that can't help with with staff morale. Um, I would suggest that if you're going to have um, managers making these calls rather than HR, that the managers may have some training it doesn't need to be day-long training but there's some training in terms of how they should uh, present themselves in this call you know not shouting not rushed not angry not saying things like well because you're off state we're actually under a bit of pressure so i can't spend that long with you today the, the focus is on the person at the end of the line rather than the problems at that stage that may or may not be caused by the person's absence so make sure you it's not just bums on seats you've got somebody who's actually able to have this conversation in a productive way okay so um, when you establish what's wrong, it may well be that the manager discovers that there is an issue um, at work, uh, you know, and it may, even if the employee says, I don't want you to investigate further, it may well be that the manager says, well, I've got to be so, it's so serious. So uh, that, that's worth exploring to see, to see if there is an issue at work which needs to be, which needs to be explored. If you've got a policy 
um, in place, that, that's what's going to help you treat employees consistently because the employees should know the policy. All right, they might not have it with them and, and, and you know, remember off the top of their head. But the manager knows what they're meant to be doing going through the process and can refer the employee to what's meant to happen. So, for example, you've got to ring in on your first day of absence to your manager. You can't send a text or get your husband or wife to ring in, nor can you ring your mate to do it. Here's the people you've got to ring in and here's the method that you've got to do it until we tell you otherwise. So having an effective policy in place will help in terms of treating all employees consistently. And that's ever so more important whenever you've got maybe different offices, different depots, different teams, whatever. So the avoid overbearing contact one, it's rare that you're going to get an employee who says, um, makes a complaint that they've been contacted too much. The typical complaint is they've been contacted too little. Uh, but it does happen. And we had a case, obviously, what name the, the company. We had a case where uh, a... Um, policemen, uh, but a, a special uh, police, not not the real ones, ones who do it on a voluntary basis. Um, community officer um, had was out working for a client and uh, Muslim chap, and he we got the company got a call from a Muslim member of the public who who was the client of the client, and he said that this chap had tried to recruit him to ISIS, and there was no reason for this guy to lie. It was all really utterly bizarre. Anyway, the, the, the police force said, it was reported to the police and everything, and they said they wouldn't investigate it. They would see what the employer did, which is is really odd approach. Anyway, it got worse because then one night at half five I got a call from the HRD saying that a police uh, constable had written to a member of the HR team who'd been trying to organise sickness absence meeting because this guy had gone off sick after the investigation and pending disciplinary and couldn't come to the disciplinary and all that kind of stuff. He was trying to arrange a sickness absence meeting. And um, uh, the guy wasn't uh, really getting contact. Anyway, so she wrote this, this PC and said, by carrying on like this, by asking for contact, it could be an act of harassment and a breach of the text from harassment back 1997. So, uh, as you can imagine, that, that, that caused chaos. So I phoned the police uh, officer and and said well it's not harassment because we're writing we're not writing at midnight we're not writing every day and she said oh she's saying it might be and i said no when you're a police officer writing a letter like that and it's it's particularly concerning given that you haven't investigated this guy and now it seems like you're trying to stop my client investigating him anyway we got involved uh, with with a sergeant who said she was completely wrong to have issued that and sent us a letter confirming we'd carry on with our investigation i think the fact that i said my client was considering contacting the Daily Mail may have, may have helped as well, but that's a, a side note. Anyway, avoid overbearing contact. Use your common sense. And when you have one call, what you might want to do is, A, firstly, make a note, by the way, of, of, of the call, but agree the next time you're going to contact uh, the person. Because the, the other thing as well is if somebody's off for a significant period of time, we want to make sure that they don't fall out of um, contact with the, with the company. So you may, for example, still send them any kind of... Um, work newsletters or anything like that or invite them to christmas dues or barbecues that the, i mean they might not come but you can certainly invite them to 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 come to those kind of things so they don't feel left out of the business which is going to make it psychologically more difficult for them to come back the longer that they're actually off okay you might want to consider offering a home visit if the person is not uh, well enough to be able to come into the to the office 
Um, now, you might not want to go to their home for various reasons. So you could offer a neutral location nearby, perhaps uh, get a room in a hotel, not like a bedroom in a hotel, but like well, a conference room in a, in a hotel and uh, see them there if that's more appropriate. And it could be if the person's disabled, even typically a reasonable adjustment to do that than, than have the person um, expected to travel miles to come to a, to a meeting. Okay, so uh, keep a paper trail. This is always uh, massively important and where a lot of tribunals are successful for payments. In fact, why a lot of them will bring tribunals in the first place because they're not entirely sure why they've been sacked and they can't quite recall um, the conversations they've had. So even if you're keeping a note of not just the conversations you've had, but a note of the times you've tried to ring um, and haven't had a chance or you've sent a text and no one's come back or whatever, just keep a record of everything you've, you've tried to do. And again, to avoid any allegation of overbearing contact, maybe the time and date you've done it. So you're not saying, oh, I rang at you know, nine o'clock on a, on a Saturday evening. Um, so yes, so that's what you need to do. So the key message is to any employee's office, you matter and your absence matters, which must be true because if it wasn't true, then presumably they'd be redundant. Um, and the, the way you conduct these uh, keeping in touch um, meetings is the genuinely ill are going to feel valued and the malingerers will know that they're being managed. So it really is a no-lose situation. Uh, in, in terms of in terms of how you should properly manage. So two, uh, don't uh, jump to conclusions. Oh, by the way, sorry, let me go back and just say, yeah, once you've had the, um, the, the phone call with them, it may well be that you decide it's a good idea to send a, an email or a letter to the employee confirming what you've discussed. So there's a, there's a clear record of that, especially um, if perhaps the employee's got um, uh, concentration issues because of mental health issues it may well be you want to send that so they've got that document in front of them and it also protects the business because um, you've explained you, you've got a record of what was said that's that's agreed because if it's not employee will presumably come back and challenge it. Okay. so don't jump to conclusions so the little role play here someone comes in and says the boss I saw Mike down the pub playing football or bragging on Facebook about his Holly Bobs but he's he's off sick or and the, the manager says, well, get this scamp in here right now. I'm going to sack him. He's obviously fit to work. I accept that's not, that's not Shakespeare. That. But imagine that scenario. And we would be saying, well, slow down. The initial reaction may be understandable. It's the word be out there. But consider the circumstances. So looking at where someone's working elsewhere, uh, that's not a great start if you hear someone's working elsewhere. But what you might want to look at is, does the job have some kind of um, therapeutic value? Are the duties different from the, the duties uh, that he has in, in your organization? Would um, the duties in your organization exasperate uh, his or her medical condition? Or is that not going to be said for the other job? Um, has the employee lied um, about going to work elsewhere or failed to report if that's one of his contractual or her contractual conditions? And was the employee specifically instructed either by the business or by medical experts not to work elsewhere? So uh, if, if it's reported the employee's working elsewhere, you wouldn't go straight to sacking. You would go into exploration mode and speaking to the employee about uh, where they've worked or why they're working there, the history of when the job started, all the medical evidence, and it may well be you go to occupational health with the GP and get a report 
um, about that uh, before you before you make any decision. In terms of on holiday playing sport or socialising, I'd probably put those all under one category, which is if someone's uh, off uh, with a depression or or stress or anxiety, the fact that they're playing sport or on holiday or socialising in, in no way suggests, certainly to me, on the face of it, that they're that they're lying. I've had it before where people have. Uh, called uh, company clients and said <clears throat> so-and-so was off but I saw him down the pub laughing uh, as if that proves that somehow um, the person wasn't ill but if you have any doubts about it then what you can do is obviously get medical advice from a doctor to occupational health to confirm whether what that person is doing is inconsistent so if the person is out uh, playing golf uh, but um, have said that they've broken their legs well then clearly that 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 is going to be um on the face of it uh, a lie to the to the employer so i put them using um in quotes there because i don't know whether you will find it amusing and i can't hear whether you do so i'm just going to pretend that, that you do so this is this is a while back and it was working for a company where an employee had been off for uh, a number of months i can't can't remember the number of months doesn't really matter and uh, invited in for an investigation hearing and he came in through the door and it was it was like he so he was like a yoda in back to the future really old and frail not the the, the fast uh, quick yoda from episodes two and three he was like yeah just like a really old decrepit yoda but moaning like a zombie so kind of like an undead yoda if you can imagine that and it, you know it took from i'm exaggerating slightly but it took him like three weeks to get from the from the from the door to the chair it was really slow and the groom ah, oh, oh as he every step was was agony and i ordinarily wouldn't obviously when you get to the end of this you realize why i'm um, uh, being lighthearted about it uh, is so got to the chair and sat down even that was the performance oh and off he went sat down terrible terrible and the manager said to him uh, he wasn't called this but sam he says i see there you know it's it's taken quite a while for you to get from the door to the to the chair um is that is is that how bad your condition is he, oh yeah basically but he's basically a talking zombie yoda at this point so he says old yoda he says so i yeah yeah it's been like this from the minute i've been off till till now and the manager we had prepared the questions and the manager said so you know have you to get any respite from this no so the minute you wake up i'm in agony and you go to sleep until i go to sleep from from waking up till going to sleep constant agony i can barely move i just do that zombie yoga shuffle you've just seen there it's awful and and what about medication oh, i've got it but it doesn't work i've been to the doctor it doesn't work i just that's all i'm like all the time that's it all right so they said, right, well, let's just watch this quick video. And they stuck in some surveillance of him on the previous Saturday where he was, he was playing football in the park. And, I mean, he wasn't Pele, but it was clear that the injury which he had been tending to have simply didn't exist. Um, or certainly not to the same level that, that he, was, uh, he was pretending it was. So that became a, a gross misconduct issue. So that's the end of the amusing anecdote. <laughs> okay. All right. So... Um, uh, hold return to work interviews uh, decide whether to hold them for every absence or absences over a certain length ACAS suggests you should hold them all the time 
whether you do or not will depend upon the resources of your business or uh, whether you've got the time to do it. You know, it's entirely a matter for yourselves. If you hold them for every absence, then the evidence suggests that um, it can deter employees from taking short-term sick leave because um, it's a disincentive because they, they think it's just not worth it. It's not worth the hassle. They've got to ring in for the phone call. They've got to then um, have a call with the manager if the manager's not the one they've made the call into in the first place. Then they've got to return to work meeting. So it can deter people from taking short-term sick leave, um, which is which is always good. You don't have to have the um, the notes being long or formal. Sorry, the meeting being long or formal, but do keep a note. Um, it gives you an opportunity to explore whether there's any underlying issues for short-term absence. Um, and it gives you an opportunity to discuss return to work schedule and reasonable adjustments um, on the long-term absence. So uh, they really are uh, really are essential to, to, to hold, I would, I would say. Get good medical advice. Don't just rely on a GP. Get a report from an occupational health expert. And the key on that is asking good questions. Don't send a, a, a pretty bland vanilla style question um, because you're going to get a rubbish reply and then you're going to have to go back and ask more detailed questions and then the challenge at any tribunal would be is you just didn't like the advice so you were trying to reframe it so just ask per at the beginning like preparation is everything take time before you send this out to ask the questions the typical questions would be so you give a you give background about the employee the employee's job all of this you know you'd have your um your permission from the employee, your, your authority to do all this, obviously. But you would have a background of the employee, the employee's job, the employee's sickness absence, all of that neutrally written. Uh, and then what is the reason for the employee's absence? Can they return to their job? If so, what is the likely date of return? Will they be able to provide regular and efficient service? And how likely are future absences? Do they have a disability? And if so, are there any reasonable adjustments that can be made? Now, you might be left there with the answer with the person's going to come back next week. Happy days. It might be the person's not going to come back um, for at least a year, in which case subject to uh, looking at whether the employee is entitled to permanent health insurance or um, ill health retirement or anything like that. Other things you might need to consider. Assuming those aren't an issue, you might be able to move fairly quickly towards a fair dismissal and a non-discriminatory or justified uh, dismissal. The trickier one is the, no, is the unknowns, where uh, they've been off for one month, then another signal for another month, then another signal for another month. There's no right or wrong answer in this. It's, it's, you get to a point where the employee's been off for a certain period of time, the impact it's having on the business, and then you, you're told, we don't know when the employee's going to come back. You get this um, known unknown, and at that point, if you don't know when the employee is going to come back and they've had a uh, time off before, you may be able to, to move towards a fair dismissal, but it all depends on the facts of, of, the, of the case. And if there, are, um, a, if there is a disability and there's reasonable adjustments, that could be like a phased return to work, uh, reallocation of duties, varying the start times, um, uh, purchasing equipment or software for the, for the employee. So there's that kind of stuff you can do. Or is there any suitable alternative employment that the uh, employee could do as well? So, so those kind of things would be considered before you move towards uh, dismissal. And uh, you would ask, obviously, the medical expert if you knew about it. We've got this job. Could, could the employee do this with or without reasonable um, adjustments? So that's that. Um, 
five conduct capability hearings fairly probably self-evident that but uh, right, I'm coming to the end of this now. So write clear invite letters so the employee knows exactly what's happening. Send all this is to the formal meeting, not just the investigation one. So uh, the clear invite letters so there you're setting out exactly what the issue is, potential outcome of the meeting. Um, send any evidence you're going to rely on. Keep good notes of each meeting. And that doesn't mean just bring in, you know, uh, somebody in off reception. I, I think with all of these meetings, you have somebody who's coming in who's been briefed about what's going to happen. They know the kind of things they're going to be recording. For example, um, body language is also is a, a good thing to, to record in all of these meetings, if, if, if relevant. Um, the number of times somebody's asked a question before they answer it. So just make sure you've answered it. You've got somebody in there who knows what they're doing and can take good notes. If you want to tape record the meeting, that's fine, but just make sure you've got enough microphones. Uh, I think I said this before in the convict one. I've had a case before for a local authority where they had somebody at the other end of the, the room, one microphone. So the questions were very clear. It was, you know, do you accept that on this day you did this? And the answers were so entirely, entirely useless. And I would always assume, even if you're not taping it in this penny, assume someone's taping what you're what you're saying. It's got into this slightly different issue, but assume, assume the employee is taping it, even if they, they say they're not. So always conduct yourself as if a judge is listening to what you say. Write clear outcome letters which explain the reason for dismissal. The employee might not like the reason, but at least they'll understand it. And what you don't want to do is end up in a tribunal simply because you haven't properly explained why the person has been dismissed and what you've considered and what you haven't considered. Length of service, alternative employment, reasonable adjustments, all of that good stuff. And are there alternatives to dismissal? As I say, um, uh, are there any you know um, alternative jobs they could be allowed to get or looking at um, early retirement? If the employee says they're too ill to attend, well, um, it, you would maybe allow that once or maybe twice. But if, if the medical evidence is the person is not going to be well enough to attend the meeting, then you or not, or at least ever, or for the foreseeable future, then you might want to, to carry on with the meeting, but give them a chance to, an opportunity to either send a representative and or written representations on, on their own behalf. Okay, so I've got to half an hour and I've had some questions oh yeah sorry conclusion treat employees like you would like to be treated so question if an employee has been absent for a long period of time i.e., longer than two months is it high risk to the business if the individual returns to work without visiting occupational health well it, it, it totally depends on on the nature of the um of the illness i mean if the employee isn't covered by a fit note and um, then you know they are technically fit to come back to work but some businesses might say we don't want you back. We'll pay you full pay, but we don't want you back until we've had a clearance from um, a clearance from occupational health that you are fit to fit to attend. Okay, so I've got a couple of other questions there, but I think I've, I've slightly uh, run over. Right, that's it. So I'm off. If there's any questions that uh, anybody else wants to ask, please email them to me at simon.robinson at robinsonralph.com or call me at 0753 um, That's it. I'm off. Have a good day. Thank you very much. Goodbye.